1: Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show on a what's today? Tuesday. News Radio 1070 WKOK. macadrello here with you. Steve will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, Fourth Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in humbles Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai—all new, pre-owned inventory. Great sales staff and service department as well. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. A couple of different notes coming down in the past couple hours or so in the NFL. Neil Coulong is going to join us today. with The latest from Steelers camp as they get set to take on Detroit Saturday night. Jamal Adams now going to be the NFL's highest-paid safety, four-year extension with a maximum value of $72, or $72 million, rather, according to ESPN. $20 million signing bonus, $38 million guaranteed, according to Adam Schefter. He did report on, try, on time for training camp, so this was, again, something that was lingering, and we know some of the past issues that Adams has had. So this is still a little bit of a surprise for Seattle, but at the same time, he's been one of their better players out there, so you get why they did it. Because this now ends a three-week stalemate with the Seahawks. So, I'll still be interested, plus he's had some injury concerns, so this is an interesting signing here for Seattle. And then, also, Tim Tebow is done in Jacksonville. Thankfully. Thankfully. He was released today after trying to make a comeback as a tight end. And good move on the Jaguars part. It was a stupid experiment to begin with. And this is probably the one thing at least Urban Meyer has come to a senses about. So he's done. Then we go to the NBA and the Sixers out of nowhere have inked Joel Embiid to a four-year $196 million Supermax extension that keeps him on the team through the 26-27 season which obviously is no surprise Uh, this there were some rumblings that these negotiations were going to start either at the end of this past year maybe the end or maybe at the start of next year so we knew this was coming so now with this extension He's now signed, as I mentioned, through the 2026-27 20, season for a total of 261 mil. He was already set up to make 65 mil over the final two years of his current deal. So it's no-brainer, obviously, for the Sixers. They want to continue to build around him. But still, they're clearly in the win-now mode as they try to figure things out with Ben Simmons. And the more this lingers on with the trade rumors this the more this is going to be very curious as to how the Sixers are going to go about training camp because there was the report last week that Ben Simmons has cut off all contact with the Sixers right now and it looks like that he's probably going to have to go back to training camp at least as Daryl Morey is doing the right thing if if you're looking at getting somebody like a Damian Lillard or even a C.J. McCollum from Portland and waiting this out. Because as things get more tense with Portland, then the more this goes in the Sixers' favor because then Portland's going to probably want to be more desperate to get rid of them. But Minnesota continues to be desperate, apparently, for... Ben Simmons, so maybe the longer they wait, maybe that helps the Sixers' asking price. The problem is, it seems to be, especially with Minnesota, you're going to need multiple teams involved in this to get what the Sixers want, which is some all-star caliber players, and you're probably going to want multiple first-round picks, which is exactly what I would want in return. If the Sixers, knowing how far this is going, though, it's it's really hard to say... Where it is right now, it's it's going to be interesting to find out there. But there's some couple of notes to start off the show there, Mr. Steve Jones.
0: What were your what were your notes about the Eagles? No,
1: actually the Sixers the, the inking Joel Bede,
0: five thousandth quarterback.
1: <laughs> actually, Jalen Rager had another impressive catch. Can he start bringing it on the field? We'll see. He apparently he had a OBJ like catch today in joint wow. practices with New England, but.
0: We'll see if do you he carries it on the those, field. Do you know many of those I've seen in practice in my career? Okay. Yeah, I know.
1: Yeah, uh, exactly. So. so, yeah, that I Tim bring, Tebow's uh, finally done in Jacksonville. Thank God. Jamal Adams signed to a contract. We'll see if that blows up in Seattle's face. That's what I mentioned before you copped on.
0: Why do you think he'll blow up in their face?
1: Injury history, his antics. They had that three-week stalemate before they signed this contract. I, I'm a little nervous if I'm a Seattle fan. Okay but that's just me
0: well you're a hater I mean that's you know, that's always been one of the issues I mean you just yeah you know. uh, add a big time contract um, I think he's a I think he's a terrific safety um, but I think you can overpay for guys totally agree uh, it, it um, that doesn't mean on a relative scale. I mean, he's the, the best safety in the NFL. Well, I'll tell you right now, if I had to pick a guy as a safety in the NFL, you know the guy I'd pick right now? Micah Fitzpatrick. He, he went to the Steelers and transformed a football team. Um, Adams does a lot of really terrific things. I'm just saying that if I had a guy I had to pick, I might pick Fitzpatrick because I, I, I watched him go to Pittsburgh and transform a team. Adams went to Seattle, I don't, you know, and I think he, he without question, helped him because he's a great player, but did he transform the whole team? No. And now Mika Fitzpatrick
1: is next for a big contract extension. So this well, is this a is, lot of eyes on Pittsburgh but, now.
0: But this is where, okay, there's been an assumption made that may not be Correct. The assumption made about Stefan Tewitt and the restructuring of his contract, which gave them more cap space, immediately everybody talked about T.J. Watt, and I thought, that doesn't affect this year. Eh? I think that opens the door, actually, for Mika Fitzpatrick. Not T.J. Watt. Watt will get his money. But I think the toit contract reconstruction is actually more on the line to re-sign and make a Fitzpatrick. Watt will then be after that. That's what I think.
1: You know what? I, I I would agree with that because Watt is a whole other different animal because he's gonna contest way more money than what right, but that Fitzpatrick's but gonna get. Even with this extension with items. Right.
0: That's after this So, in other words, the Watt thing is always going to be after this anyway. Right. To its number and restructuring, in terms of what was restructured, is more in line toward what Fitzpatrick will eventually get. Watt is a completely separate deal. I mean, they'll re-sign both. I mean, the Steelers will re-sign both. um, But we're going to talk to Neil Kulong about this uh, later in the show today. Uh, we'll have Neil Line at four oh six, Mike Lang tomorrow, and uh, Micah Shrewsbury on Thursday, the head basketball coach of the Nittany Lions. So that's what we got coming up this week, and the King on Friday, by the way, King Friday, and. That is, uh, and then Tim Tim Tebow, as soon as I saw this, you're the first guy I thought of, because I knew right away (laughs) you'd be dancing in the streets. Again, what did I say when they signed him? I said there are 90 guys in there. 40 of them are going to get cut, or 35 of them are going to get cut. You bring people in with the idea of like, let's just see what they have. And I said that about T. I I said, look, I said he, he he probably won't make the team. And you're going along. It's a sham. It's bad. Look, you got 35 guys that are going to get cut. He's one of the 35 guys that get cut. It's like saying the guy, the guys the Eagles cut. It was a sham bringing them in, too. They just didn't have the name. Well, no. You bring in guys just to see, like, okay, can I catch lightning in a bottle with any of these guys coming in? Can I catch lightning in a bottle with a guy that was an undrafted free agent that suddenly becomes Drew Pearson? That I mean, that's what you're trying to do with guys like Tebow, where you bring them in and go, hey, look, Maybe we'll get lucky here. Let's just see. I've got ninety spots. And that to me, that to me is the entire deal as to why he was there. It's a guy that Urban Meyer knew. It's a guy Urban Meyer trusted, a guy Urban Meyer liked. They brought him in. It turned out that guess what? He he can't do it. The career's done. Unlike you, who, you know, I immediately wanted to hate.
1: I give Urban Meyer credit; he finally came to his senses from his big fat head.
0: But that's why you bring these guys in. I mean, are you going to say this about the guys the Eagles got?
1: No, because none of the guys that the Eagles brought in, I've been in like this. How do you Circus know? of a of a of trying to resurrect a career that's clearly going to go nowhere.
0: Look, Tim Tebow is a Heisman Trophy winner was a first-round draft pick. But Tim Tebow has been a lightning rod because, you know, when he kneeled on the field, it had a completely different meaning to it compared to somebody else kneeling for the national anthem, okay? And it brought with it people who loved the fact that he was doing it, and it brought people out there that didn't like that he was doing it. So he's always been a lightning rod in that regard. As a football player, I've said once, I've said a million times about him, as a quarterback, not accurate enough. Just not accurate enough. I was surprised the Broncos picked him in the first round. And then watching him play, yeah, they won, but they were kind of winning it. Their defense was, that year, Denver's defense was really good. And he was able to do just enough You know, yeah, he won the one playoff game against the Steelers. But I was never enamored with him as a quarterback in the NFL level because he was not accurate enough throwing the football. As a runner, he can run. But for for some reason, look, did he get more chances in life than other people? Yeah, he got more chances. Right? he he definitely got more especially with the Mets thing he got more but he was a minor leaguer with the Mets he wasn't playing with the New York Mets he was playing minor league baseball back when they had six levels, and so I think the Mets actually have seven so in seven levels, so he wasn't taking away a spot from anybody doing that, and he is typical of every first round draft pick out there, which I'll go to the statement I've said a million times. First round draft picks, actually the first three rounds, have to play their way out of the league. They get more chances than anybody else. Nelson Aguilar was a great example of that. Nelson Aguilar was given every chance on the face of the earth to be a contributor for the Eagles, and finally, in what his third year, he was. His first two years, he did not warrant a first-round pick, but he kept getting the chance because he was a first-round pick. He had to play his way out of it. If you're rounds four through seven or a free agent, you've got to play your way into the league to get a second contract. A first-through third-round pick, especially a first-round pick, you've got to play your way out of the league. See, I hold the standard for everybody, not just Tim Tebow. You just hate. <laughs> you see my logic, what
1: I'm talking about? No, it makes perfect sense.
0: I mean, it's, he's typical of every first-round pick where everybody keeps saying, okay, it was a first-round pick, He was a first-round pick. So you want to give him more chances to see if, like, okay, like it's there. And then he goes to Philadelphia, and it's not there. He goes to the Jets, it's not there. He goes to New England, it's not there. Now he's gone to Jacksonville, it's not there. He's done. Okay? He's not taking up a roster space for anybody else or whatever, because believe me, he's in a group of guys that Jacksonville's not bringing back, and there's no roster space he took up that somebody else could have, because the roster space he took up was probably somebody that was also going to get cut. Simple as that. You just don't like him, and yet when I talk to him about both you and Lisa, he speaks highly of both of you. <laughs> Every time I see him, he says, "Steve, he says, you know, Luke and Mark doing okay? Yeah, they're doing great. Yeah, yeah, it's a great guy. He is off the field." No, I've never met him, so I've never even been in the same room. Well, he seems like it. Right. But this is where I think he can excel, though. Uh, I've seen him a couple times on the SEC network. He is very good. He's very good. I think he has an opportunity to either be a studio analyst or he might be a game analyst. He's articulate and, and has a good mind for seeing the game.
1: Now that I, I do you, agree
0: with, that I think he could do very well with. Yes. All right, we'll take a break. Matt has more hateful statements coming up. It's, <laughs> it's, it's just the way it is. It's just gotta get you to start showing the love. <laughs> By the way, Yankees lead the Red Sox five-three, sixth inning. First game of a day night doubleheader in the Bronx. It's a makeup game from earlier. Back with more in a moment. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by our good friends at Sunray Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Q, routes 11 and 15. Hummels Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai. Great new inventory, the best. Fabulous and wide array of pre-owned inventory, if that's what your budget dictates, or maybe your taste dictates. Great sales staff that works with you, great trading time, fabulous service department, all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Uh, Interesting article from ESPN.com. And it goes with a topic that we've discussed before, but we'll go through what, what they've been talking about as Matt plays with his computer. How are things going? Are you winning at Minecraft? Let's go with that. So ESPN on the state of baseball. What, if, what would baseball look like if we were redesigning it? So let's get your opinions on these. And fans, we want to hear always hear your opinions too. Number one, financially this may be impossible to do, but it is something I am absolutely in agreement with. Major League Baseball's regular season should be shortened by a month. Yes. I absolutely agree with that. Uh, instead of playing 162 games, if you're playing 132, I think it allows you to dominate the cycle. Because when baseball has hit September and the races are red hot and people are fighting to get in the playoffs or win the division, the NFL and college football are being played, and it goes to the background. You need to figure out a spot that's your spot. And baseball needs to understand where its spot is now. Expand and realign the leagues by geography. One I agree with. The other one I do not. I absolutely do want to see baseball expand by two teams to 32. I've maintained that for years on the show. I think it's the right number to work with. And I think it's also, and also, look, I know people want to talk about Montreal. I want to see American markets. No offense. I want to see American markets. Nashville. Portland. Someplace. I want to see, you know, Charlotte. I want to see American markets. You know, all this, you know, let's go overseas. Let's do this. Yeah, I know. It's all about selling merchandise and bling. I got that. This is what I don't agree with, though. They propose, instead of the time-worn American and National League, go to Eastern League, Western League, each with two eight-team divisions. No. And then they talk about pods and things like that. Look, keep it the way it is. Agreed. Now, I mean, maybe, do you want to maybe change up a division a little bit? Maybe. For example, I'll give you an example, maybe the Pirates should be in with the Phillies. Yeah? Pirates, Phillies, Mets, Washington in a four team division? Go to four divisions? Where now you're not playing Atlanta and Miami, put Atlanta and Miami down, you know, down south with somebody else? I you know. I think you gotta think that part through.
1: Yeah, that scenario I totally wouldn't hate, either, if there there were going to be any geographical changes.
0: Right. But I think the American and National League concept should stay in place. In other words, the Yankees and Mets should not be in the same division. Um, They can play each other in interleague play. I think that's great, but I, I like the divide between the two, where the Dodgers come into town to play the Mets, and Mike Trout and the Angels come into town to play the Yankees so I want to see expansion yes and and I've advocated for expansion for a long time getting to 32 but I want them no offense I want them to be American teams I'm not I'm not crazy about the in other words, look Major League Baseball is an American company expand to American cities all right I mean that's how I look at it. I know you want to sell stuff in overseas I know you want to sell stuff in Mexico I know you want to sell stuff in Canada I got it but I want the I want, you know is the time you got to be looking inward and not outward uh, pitch clock. I am for a pitch clock. It is, it's been used in the minors, but not here, by the way. Um, by the way, speaking of here, did you hear the final number of attendance for the Spikes this year? 92,477. That's right. You told me off air yesterday. That yeah. is tremendous. I mean, they almost drew 100,000 and lost three dates. They lost three dates. They have those three dates back. They're over 100,000. They led the league in attendance by a wide margin. Uh, pitch clock. What do you think about the pitch clock?
1: Oh, I've always been for it, and I've seen it live at some AAA games, and I think it's perfect. I see no yeah. issue with it at all.
0: Rob Arthur's study at 538 in 2017 showed that velocity increases when pitchers take more time between pitches. but pitchers maxing out at more than ever on every pitch, especially relievers who are throwing a higher percentage of innings than They were in 62 or 84. That walk around the mound, that swipe of the brow, adds over 290 pitches. So, pitch clock, get out there, and it also may cut down on the velocity. Interesting. This one I don't agree with. Bring in the Robo-Ump's.
1: balls and strikes I'm okay with guys down the line you still need
0: well first of all the Robo has not been going as well in the Atlantic League as people realize um, I'd still say it's a human game and, it's, and it needs to be managed by humans played by humans and officiated by humans I also think, though, that I want to see a fifth umpire added and be up in the box with a technician, reviewing every play and making the review process easier and faster instead of going central to New York. I don't like that. I think it holds the game back. I think you need to have somebody actually there that is an umpire that is watching that screen with a technician to make the process faster and easier, all right? So I'm not, you know, I was leaning toward up, but you know what, as time has gone, I've stopped leaning that way. To me, it's a game played by humans, which means great plays by humans, mistakes by humans, great calls by coaches who are humans, mistakes made by coaches who are human, same thing with, with the officiating. It's about humans. It is not about AI. Allowing the trading of draft picks. I'm all for that. I don't care. What do you think? Oh, yeah, me maybe. too. Yeah, I don't care. The heck. Pay minor leaguers a living wage. Well, you know how they made the increase to minor leaguers this year, right? Do you know how they did it?
1: I vaguely remember this. I, I know what did happen.
0: Yeah, they cut they cut teams. <laughs> okay. Oh, well. All right. Uh let's see. Next, let's see. Rethink the role of the commissioner. Yeah. <laughs> to to um, what exactly? <laughs> yeah, I know. This guy writes on ESPN. It doesn't say he wrote the article, by the way. I think it's I think it's written by several different people. So who wrote this part? Oh, Tim Kuhn wrote this part. First order of business for me: the new commissioner of baseballs to address the tenuous nature of the time-honored ability to overcome the incompetence, greed, and shortsightedness of those who run it. The problem starts right at the top. The commissioner represents the game, but in the end, he works for the owners. Well, I've talked about this a million times. I'm. Scared okay you want to know how you'd get around that and I've talked about this for 35 40 years the owners pay half the salary the players association pays half the salary we're done you're accountable to both but but you're not leaning in contract negotiations you're out of it Uh, Under Manfred's watch, the sport has faced a list of public relations disasters. That is true. They have. He has not managed the game well. The game, now, now, that's why when something like Field of Dreams happens or the Little League Classic happens this weekend, it sticks out as brilliant because... A, it is brilliant, but B, it sticks out so much because of all the other stupid stuff they've done. <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you want a new commissioner, then I'm all for it. But changing what it is, then no.
0: But again, I think how it, how that person is paid, the Players Association should be, should be paying half, and the owner should be paying half. Yeah. Now you get got a commissioner that's a commissioner.
1: Exactly
0: said, the game will survive, it always does. But while the commissioner instead is focusing on the DH and extra innings and seven-inning doubleheaders, the sport is getting smaller. All right now, number one, the commissioner should be talking about the DH. The commissioner should be talking about, we're going to play extra innings back to normal. We're going to stop with seven-inning doubleheaders. The commissioner should be talking about that. Rob Manfred, in my opinion, is right on all three. About going back the way the way they did it. That's what he's talking about. Okay, but he says the sport is getting smaller, more regional, less inclusive. Okay, let's go to the last part. Less inclusive. Okay. You know what I found really interesting this year about the MLB draft league? Really interesting, and I thought was really really cool a rather large number of black players. Now, we've seen over time in the New York Penn League many players from Cuba, Venezuela, the Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Mexico, that have played. Every once in a while, the Spikes would get a guy like Terry Fuller. Okay. Or they, they had an outfielder who played for San Diego State, Santos, at one point. But this year, the Spikes, for example, had Cameron Lee, Island Hall, you know, I mean, a long list of guys that, you know, Daryl Lloyd, uh, Zacchaeus Raspberry, same thing with Williamsport, Noah Hemphill, where I saw more players – uh, that African American, which is great, because I mean, there's been there been a the percentage kept getting smaller in the majors. I'm watching this draft league thing, and guess what? I'm starting to see which was great a larger percentage. You know, Josh Culver out there on the mound, and I mean other guys. I thought that was great. That's more inclusive.
1: You know, I was about to compliment ESPN.com for finally putting together a thoughtful piece, but this just ruined it. <laughs> so that is just completely ignorant. And also the fact, too, one of their reporters, Marley Rivera, who does a great job, by the way, has even mentioned, this is the, inclusivity is the reason why she loves baseball, when she covered the All-Star Game. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're not even listening to your own people
0: said, youth baseball needs to be revamped before every poor kid is completely redlined out of the game. What? Um, I have no idea what he's talking about there because when the Jackie Robinson Little League in Chicago won the Little League World Series now we now in the end, you know, did they get a couple players from different areas? It okay, that that point's irrelevant, okay? Uh, That point is irrelevant to the conversation. But those young people out of Chicago, that was being inclusive, right? And again, your company
1: broadcasts the Little League World Series games. Yeah. (laughs) It's so stupid.
0: Uh, It says here... Let's see. I mean, every poor kid is completely redlined out of the game. Look, when I fly into all these places, okay, I look out the window of the plane, and I look out the window of the bus. Do you know how many, how many youth fields I see from the air? I mean, in cities, a ton in towns, a ton I see youth fields all over the place. Just use them. So you know, youth baseball not being is not redlining people at all. There are youth fields all over the place. And these little league teams do provide bats and balls. Yeah, and uniforms. Youngsters have to provide their own glove. But they'll get a hat, they'll get a t shirt. There's always two or three, quote, community bats. And there's and they give every team baseballs. And the fields are already there. So okay, this person obviously doesn't leave the office. What did I talk about earlier? Many, many times I've talked about the red smith line be there. Yeah. That's one of the problems with the ESPN people right now. They don't go anywhere. They don't go anywhere. That's why Tim Kirchin's great. Tim Kirchin goes everywhere. Owners need to be accountable for willingly failing to feel confi- uh, for willingly failing to field competitive teams. Well, it depends on who the owner is. That's that goes back to the beginning of time in every sport, right? (laughs) Uh, Conditions in the minor leagues where players are bunking five to a room and struggling to afford food need to be addressed for the night full on mental health crisis. Okay, a lot of minor league players stay with host families. They aren't bunking five to a room. Where does he come up with this stuff? Now this year they had you know this year was different. They had to be put into hotels, but minor league teams. Guess what? They use host families. They go and they stay at the homes of people who generously open their doors. And women need to have more powerful roles in redefining the culture. That's fine. But we've seen uh, what Miami has as GM. Now, I'm, I'm all for, um, I'm all for taking. Always the best of the full talent pool, across the board. Color irrelevant, gender irrelevant. I just want the best talent pool, in ownership, the best talent pool in the front office, the best talent pool in the air, the best talent pool in the dugout, or the sideline. Or, you know, and the best talent pool on the field or court. Doesn't matter to me where they come from. Doesn't matter to me who it is. So he finishes the best path to improving the state of baseball. It starts by installing a commissioner whose relationship to the game goes deeper than financial concerns. Someone who stands for something other than sponsorships and real estate deals for billionaire owners. Someone who understands there are constituents in the game's operations departments, in the clubhouses, in the stands, who actually like the game for what it is and not how much can be extracted from it. Uh, I completely agree with the last part about the operations departments, clubhouses, stands, and who actually like the game for what it is now, okay? But I want to say about this. In order to make this work, you need those financial deals and sponsorships. Okay? Fernando Tatis Jr. gets his contract because of those deals. Mookie Betts gets his contract because of those deals. Okay? You cannot make it today on what you charge in the stands. You can't. It's part of the formula. You only get 40% of your money from tickets where's the other 60% come from see that that's where when i read an article like this suddenly out of nowhere the person that never leaves the room has all these great ideas and never gets out in the real world you got to get out in the real world you, you just can't sit there and be the Harvard professor that says, "Here's the great thing that we do, blah blah blah. This, in theory, it works." And then the real world, everybody looks at you and goes, "I'm sorry, in the real world, that doesn't work, sport." <laughs> okay. I don't. I'm a Harvard guy. I don't care. You don't know how it works in the real world. Okay. Be a Harvard guy. Go to the real world. Find out how it works. Then come back and talk to me and tell me how smart you are. Hey, whiz. Some parts of that last part were good. Some parts were just thoroughly, completely naive. All right. Neil's next half hour. Let's see. How are your Yankees? Your Yankees are probably winning. Last I saw was 5 3. It's still 5 3, top of the seventh, but the Red Sox are threatening with nobody out. All right. Back with more in a moment. Great to have you with us today as so we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK.